Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Byron, for uh, sharing the communion with all of us. Um, today, I, I want to take some time. I'm going to ask that you put your, uh, your thinking cap on. I really want to go into teacher mode this morning and share something with you that I believe, I truly believe, I learned this 19 years ago, and it was one of the most radically impacting revelations in my life. And I don't just try to build this up so that it, it sounds really good. It truly is the foundation of us walking out this Christian walk, and I want to share that with you today. But before we get into just some of the content, I want to remind you of something. I have here in my hands a strainer, and this allows certain liquids to go through it and certain hard materials to stay in the, the strainer here. Um, but some time ago, I shared with you all, and I just want to reiterate it because I think it's so important. We all have strainers in our life, and the strainer goes right over our heart. And sometimes this strainer for many of us, and I don't say this to condemn anybody, but I say it to encourage you, as many times the strainer is circumstances. And so we sit in front of somebody that's speaking or we read the Bible, but our strainer is circumstances. And so every promise that we hear, every whisper of the Holy Spirit, every message that we hear, it goes into the strainer called circumstances first to determine what comes out. And when the pure word of God, when you hear the word of God, the promise of God, but you strain it through circumstances and you go, well, let me see what's really true about this, it becomes very impurified. And so now what happened is because truth was pure or strained through our circumstances. So this is what I'm going through. And I know God said that, but when you strain it through, there's a word that comes out that says, but. So I know God said that, but. And we shake it up and we go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now make sure I sift all of truth through the reality of what I'm going through. And I want to encourage you as much as you can to always correct yourself and to make sure the strainer in your life is truth. So that when you face off with something challenging, the truth is this, God is always good, he always has your best in mind, and he's always setting you up to succeed in what he's called you to do. Now that is truth the goodness of God. And so I say, Lord, that's my strainer. No matter what I go through, I'm gonna strain what I go through with that truth. So you face off with something. You get a bad doctor's report. Your body's breaking down. Financially, you're not seeming to do very well. Uh, your marriage is falling apart. And so instead of defining life and truth by what you're going through, you take all of that and go, all right, I'm going to sift all this junk and garbage that I'm going through. I'm going to sift it through the goodness of God. And what comes out at the other end is a purified perspective of what you're going through. So you start to see your problems, you start to see God, and you start to see others through the perspective of truth rather than, man, you know what? I know you said that, God, but look at this. And he goes, I know that, but flip it upside down and say, God, look at this, but I know you said that. And so I know your goodness will somehow make all of this stuff work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And so, Father, I choose to, to celebrate your truth more than what my circumstances are telling me. The reason why I shared that is because in light of what I'm going to share with you, I want you to have that filter of truth out. To listen to the word of God. In Acts 17, verse 11, it says that the Bereans, they, what did they do? They received with gladness first, and then they went to study to see if these things that the Apostle Paul were true according to the Scriptures. 
So receive first. It doesn't mean it, it, it has to influence you. You may hear some things today and go, I'm not so sure about that. I, that's completely fine and I want you to do your own studying. But just receive it first so that it has the ability to not be criticized but to receive. And then go and study those things. And so the title of this series that we're going to start this week and for many coming weeks ahead is to wake up. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians, what we'll get to, but wake up to righteousness and sin not. Now even hearing that verse, you're going to hear it in a different light once you get done listening to this message. But here is one of the things that drives me to do what I do. As a pastor, as a teacher, as a friend in many of your lives, it breaks my heart, but I see this often. It comes from Hosea chapter 4. Verse number six, this is just the first part. The second part is talking to the priest, but it's something very important for all of us to see. My people. Whose people? God's people. I want you to see this, how true this is still today, even under the new covenant, when we talked about demand and supply, this is just as true today. And this is what drives me many times to teach the things that I teach is because my people are what? Isn't that wild that somehow we can be God's people and still be what? Destroyed, which means we're not living to the fullness of what Christ has granted to us because of the cross. And it's not destroyed because of the enemy. What is they destroyed by? Wow. That to me is amazing to see this verse right here from the prophet Hosea. He says, by the spirit of God, my people are being destroyed. They're being led away. They're being led astray by one thing. They just don't know what I'm said. And that knowing is not just knowing up here. That knowing is I know that I know that I know that I know what my father has said is the truth. And I believe it and I receive it. I'm going to ask for four volunteers in just a moment. One of them I asked Steph. For some reason, you specifically came out to my mind. So if you're willing to, if you're not, no trouble. So three others if she's willing. But because of the lack of knowledge, the enemy has now been able to steal something inside of our life. I just talked to you about this new covenant that it comes with better promises. But how many promises are we truly walking in? Are our families experiencing the peace and the joy of the Lord? Are we walking in the freedom from sin? Are we walking in the freedom to enjoy God and to live a life without condemnation, guilt, and shame? And if we're not, a lack of knowledge has caused the enemy to get inside and to steal something so precious. And he's stolen the very rights to this inheritance that are ours. These promises of God, it says in 2 Corinthians, they are what? Yes and amen. All of, the God, all of God's promises are yes, and yet we're still either begging or still just saying, give me a portion, or still going, you know what, I don't deserve that. And the enemy won. And I hope to give you some knowledge today that is going to shock your system. It's going to cause you to wake up. And some here today just don't know about what I'm going to share this morning. They've never heard it. I remember that, that time. I was 18 years old, just got saved six months prior to that, and I heard this understanding, and I go, I never knew. I never knew it. And then there's others who just flat out have rejected this very thing. 
for some reason or another, either you know what, I don't agree with it or I don't deserve it or you know what, I just, I just feel better feeling bad about my life. And then there's others that have just failed to receive it. That they know it. They've heard it before and those who know it this morning, I ask, please, turn that little switch off that says I already know that. Okay? Just turn it off for a moment and go, Lord, help me to hear it in a brand new way. Because that switch sometimes has kept us from getting something deeper than we already had. And many, most of us were taught that, you know what, I'm going to get everything that God has for me when I get where? Yep. That somehow internally we live with this knowing that one day I'll have peace. One day I'll have rest. One day I'll have joy. One day I'll be victor victorious over sin. One day I won't have any more pain or shame or guilt. And I'm here to say today can be that day. Like we're not waiting to get to heaven for everything. Jesus died and he left us here as his sons and daughters to fill us with this spirit of God and says it's all yours now. And so sometimes peace and joy, victory and freedom, it's just something we're waiting until. And so you know what? We've just been or given ourselves over to we're just going to struggle while we're here on this earth i'm going to struggle with depression i'm going to struggle with discouragement i'm just going to struggle with sin and disappointments because one day i'm just going to endure and finally when i make it to heaven everything's going to be heaven or better and so most believe that we're going to have rest when we get to heaven we're going to have victory then and we're going to be overcomers then and we're going to have peace then and no more will I have to fail and struggle. And so on this side of life, we tend to think that it's just filled with struggle and pain and disappointment and weakness and discouragement. And yes, life has its way of not going according to the hopes and the desires that we long for. But there's something that is so precious about the great treasure that is in our earthen vessels, that though we're pressed on every side, we're not crushed. Though we are, 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 are pushed around and though we are, 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 are stepped on by the enemy, we're not broken. There's something so precious inside of all of us that says you can have peace 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can walk in the rest of God in the favor of the Lord whenever you want. Look at this, Jude chapter 24. You have to ask yourself, I can't cover that one. Do you believe this when you get to heaven or do you believe it now? Okay, it says these words. Now to him, speaking of God through Jesus Christ, who is able to keep you from Many of you in this room, I know it just because of personal experience, many of you have a picture that you're just weeks away from doing what you're going to do again. Days away, hours away from going back into the same thing that you believed, even maybe when you came up and you got prayed for, and you're like, yes, I'm free. And then two days later, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not free. I thought I was free. And I just want to encourage you now to him who is able he is not asking you to keep yourself from stumbling. He's not asking you to stop struggling. He is saying, I am able to keep you from what? Stumbling. 
So you don't have to go like this and like this and like this because your emotions say, that's how we're going to roll in this life. You're going to be happy today. But just in a couple hours when something bad happens, we're going to be mad and we're going to be depressed. And so we just learn to live like that. I go up one day and down the next day. One up one day, next Why? Because I'm trying to keep myself or I'm just trying to be real. But God says, I'm able to keep you. Sorry, I'm playing. You think like I'm struggling up here, okay? I know you know that. And to present you, listen to this, present you what? This is the New King James Version. I'm not trying to persuade you with another. It literally says that in he has the what? Ability to keep you, but also to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He doesn't go, this is so bogus. I have to present this person faultless before God, like, Yeah, I died for him, but he doesn't deserve it, but he's faultless, right, Lord? No, it says with exceeding joy, he goes, come here. I got something for you. This new covenant is amazing. Look it, stand before the Father. And you're like, man, yeah, but I don't don't deserve to be here. Oh, it's okay. He sees you faultless. Do you know what faultless looks like? That's how we look at a baby. We look at that baby and we go, there is no blemish to this thing. And we look at it with love and with gladness and with delight. And that's what God looks at. He doesn't see a single fault with you. Three of them. Three. We're going to double that in five minutes. You don't like this? Why? It doesn't sound good? It sounds good? I'm going to keep on going. Just can you come back here? Just stand here and just hold this up like this. I have such a small head. I'm so sorry. For over 15 months, I have attempted and has been very intentional about laying a foundation. I said it to our, our, the team that started to launch the church with us. We're laying a foundation. And I believe we'll never stop laying that foundation. I believe it's important. And that foundation is one of identity and discovery of who God is and who you are to him. And we just finished a series about fulfilling the ministry that you have been given. And my hope and my desire is this, that you are beginning to see that God has called you, not just me. (laughs) That sounded like a rhyme. You guys catch that? That was like Dr. Seuss style right there. That you're beginning to see that God has called you and not just me. And you're seeing how awesome of a ministry that he has given to you outside these walls. That we are the church. We don't do church. We're not coming to a church event. We gather as the church together to worship God. We call it New Day, our gathering, but we go back out and we be the church. Amen? And he has given you giftings, and I hope that you're beginning to see that. But I want to remind you that he has first called you to someone before he's called you to something. Because oftentimes, if we get fixated that I just got to do for this one that has called me, we miss the one that called us. And he wants to reassure you that I see you, Justin Faultless, go and be a pastor. And Justin, you're going to mess up. And Justin, you're going to have failings. But I want you to know, I don't see those in you. I see you this way. I will deal with those, but I see you this way. And so now I go with the security of a relationship with my father. I'm not going trying to secure something with the father because I did such a good job at the ministry. 
And so he calls us to someone before he calls us to something. In Psalms 27, verse 8, David said these words. I don't think it's on the screen. He says, And when I, you said, Seek my face, my, also, my heart also said to you, Lord, Your face will I seek. I hope over these last 15 months that there's been a certain level of desire to know God more. To seek his face more. To know who is this God that is leading you, that is guiding you when you don't know where you're going sometimes. When you don't know why he allows certain things sometimes. Who is this God? Because if he's always good, I want to discover how does that goodness look? And we cannot boldly approach and ultimately relate to a father or intimately relate to a father until we know and understand the truth that I'm going to share with you today. And be, the lack of knowledge over this one topic that we're going to share today is the reason why many of you struggle to approach God. We're so sin conscious that we walk into the church and we feel bad. We're about to take communion and what do we think about? All of our faults and all of our, our challenges and will God allow me to take communion? Am I even worthy to worship him? We're so self-consumed about who we used to be and what we've done wrong that we can't boldly and intimately come to the Father. And that's what drives me many times to teach what I teach. That we struggle to pursue God. Why? Because I'm not worthy. No, none of us are. But that's not why we pursue him. We pursue him because he's given us the avenue of Christ who says, now you can come boldly. And many of us struggle to receive from God. And that's why I made it a personal practice every morning. The first thing I do is receive. Because if I do, and then my doing gave me a little bit more confidence to receive, I'm, I'm, I'm impurifying it. But when I just wake up and receive, knowing I've done nothing today to deserve it, I just woke up as a son of God, it puts me in a perspective of it's relational before functional. And so today I believe in your life, you're going to make a major shift if, if, three things. Put these on the screen if you don't mind, buddy. If you receive God's gift. Second, if you open it up. And third, if you respond accordingly. That I want to show you how to receive from God, how to open, and then how to live according to the very thing that you received from him. Paul reminds us about the gospel, that the gospel reveals something. So Stephanie, if you can make your way up, and three other people, if you don't mind, to come up. Romans 1.16, Jackson. It says these words, for I'm not ashamed of the what? The gospel means good news, everybody. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God of salvation for what? Everyone who believes. You guys can come and sit down here. For everyone who? Thank you. Somebody, please, be, be with me. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it... In what? The gospel, what's revealed? Somebody talk to me. 
the righteousness of God is revealed. So when you are presented with the gospel, what's revealed? Okay, this is important, guys, please. When you're presented with the gospel, it does not consistently reveal how sinful you are. The gospel is the answer to the sin that is in your life. The gospel reveals not how mad God is about your sin. The gospel says because of sin, Jesus came to the world and he satisfied the justice of the Father. And now in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. And some of us have an idea of what that righteousness is. The righteousness, the justice, the holiness of God. And some of us see it as, I don't know what that means, Justin, but it says it's revealed from faith to faith. The righteousness of God, which the gospel offers all of us as a gift, is God's own righteousness in which I can now stand in right relationship with him forever. Okay? He, he, the, the gospel now says we're going to reveal something. The righteousness of God, which is a gift to all of us. What is it? That I can stand in right relationship with God. Now, I know some of you go, I already know that. And some of you are like, I don't know about that. I just want you to turn those switches off for a second. My guilt is now taken away because it was borne by another. Someone took my guilt on the cross and God's righteousness was now given to me in grace. And so God's righteousness came. Tom, I give you that righteousness. Phil, I give you that righteousness. Is it Kina? Kina. Yep, I always get that wrong. And then Steph, I give you that righteousness. So the righteousness now was given to all four of these people once they received the gospel that was given to them. That word revealed means to uncover what has been hidden. So in the gospel, the righteousness of God has been what? Uncovered. It was hidden until this moment. Until Jesus was raised from that tomb, the righteousness of God was revealed. And it says it was revealed from what? From faith to faith. I want you to think about faith for a moment like putting on a what? Parachute. When you put on that parachute, is it to make the ride more comfortable? No. You put on the parachute, why? Because especially when they told you to, it means the plane is what? The plane is going down. This will save your life. And so I want you to think about faith is putting on that parachute. You're trusting someone who said, you're gonna die unless you put this on. So faith is now acting, putting on the parachute. Are you following me? And so remember, we defined faith this way a couple weeks ago. Faith is responding to what my father said. So you're going to see in a moment the difference between all four of these. Faith is responding. Faith is not acting. Faith is not initiating. I don't initiate. God is always the initiator. And so I'm responding to two things. What did my father say? What did Jesus do for me on that cross? Are you following me? And so you have here four people who, who deal with, not individually, there's nothing specific to them, some with guilt, shame, condemnation, and unworthiness. And so faith is what? I got the gift, the gift of righteousness. How am I going to respond? 
I'm either going to continue to what? Believe how I feel. Believe what I did wrong. Believe where I messed up. Believe that I'm not that person that God says I am. Or I can say by faith, I respond to what God said. What did God say about me? That I am what? Faultless. That he will keep me from stumbling. So okay, I'm going to respond to that I'm faultless. Jesus died so that I could now be cleansed of my sin. That's now what I respond to. It's a completely different reality I'm waking up to. And so if the reality is every day the mercies are what? Brand new, I'm going to now what? What's faith? Responding to what God said. I have granted you mercy, which means you no longer deserve what you had coming to you. And Jesus said, you know what? I took care of your past. Shouldn't even have to feel about it anymore. So I'm going to respond to what God said and to what Jesus did for me. Now I'm walking by what? Faith. I put on that parachute and because that parachute's on, I'm not worried about the the crash landing, so to speak. And so it's time to wake up and it's time to receive a gift that only God can give. And we're gonna use these people up here more. And the gift allows us now to relate with him just as Jesus did. And how many are, how many are there? How many relate to Jesus freely and just go, Father, I'm your son, and I just thank you that you see me just like your son Christ? No, many of us struggle to believe that how can you see me like that? Because we see ourselves. And Jesus gives us the power now that we need to overcome sin and the struggle. Now look at this verse, 1 Corinthians 15. Awake unto what? And do... Here's what I saw as I was going through that verse. Many of us are trying to do the second before we do the first. Many of us are trying so hard not to sin because then we can feel more. And he says, I want you to awake to something. I want you to realize it's by my righteousness that you don't sin. Not by you not sinning that I'm righteous. Was Jesus righteous because he didn't sin or did he not sin because he was righteous? I'm telling you, if you catch it, you'll realize that Jesus was righteous and therefore he said no and he said no and he said no to every temptation that came his way. And he says, I give you my righteousness. The very thing that kept me from sinning, now I give to all four of you so you no longer have to sin. It doesn't mean that we don't, we don't walk in it perfectly. How many are going to sin again one day before you go to heaven? Amen, right? But I don't have to be fearful that I'm just sin waiting to happen. I don't have to go, oh God, I hope I don't sin today. I don't even think about that when I wake up in the morning. I think about receiving the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace is all mine. Father, thank you that I don't have to sin today. I thank you that I don't have to get angry at somebody today and I don't have to cut somebody off and I don't have to put the middle finger up to somebody because they don't determine how I respond to them. It's the righteousness of God that determines how I respond to them. Are you following this? And so the word awake means to awake sober out of a drunken sleep. Some of us know what that's like, right? No, we're not talking about your past. To come up with one's senses like the prodigal son and to arouse oneself out of a stupor. Realize this, that you have been judged according to the sacrifice of the lamb and you have been made righteous. You have been acquitted 
Every single one of you have been acquitted. It's like if you were here and there's a courtroom and there's a judge and the judge looks at the, the mediator and says, okay, Jesus, did you do it? You did it. That was perfect. Oh, you satisfied the, okay. Acquitted, 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 acquitted. Every single one of you are acquitted from the things that you committed. That means you are found not and you are now the relationship with God is restored to a right relationship with your father. The judge doesn't go and go, man, how did they all get off with that? They, he goes with pleasure, acquitted, acquitted, innocent, not guilty, not guilty. No, we're good. Me, you, and the judge are good because now the judge is your father. So go out and in, awake to righteousness and do not sin because you've been given a new life to go and enjoy, Amen. And so you have been declared legally innocent and pronounced forever righteous because of the blood of Jesus. Okay, here's where I wanted to get to. I, I hope my mind goes to what I had you guys up here for. Romans 5.17. <laughs> I don't write a lot of things down. When I get them in my mind, I feel like I'm going to remember them. For if by ones of man's offense, death reigned. So what reigned because Adam sinned? Death. So think about this. If death was the result of sin, and Satan is the author of death, we think that when we die and go to heaven, that's gonna be the, oh, good, now we can have everything God had. No, it's when Jesus died, we now afforded everything that is his, amen? God's not using the death that Satan brought into this world to now solidify us as sons and daughters. No, it was this, Jesus died and he rose again, amen? So much more of those, much more. I want you to focus on this, much more. Much more than what Adam did. There's somebody called the second Adam. His name is Jesus Christ and much more. Those who, okay, don't read anything else, guys, okay? <laughs> Those who what? Get it? Those who receive. Those who learn how to receive what kind of grace? abundance which means more than enough it just keeps on abounding it never stops abounding and he says i want you to receive it so if this is the case does god give us permission to receive the abundance of grace and do we get to a point where we don't no longer have any grace to receive no because it's abundance and so he says, I want you to receive the abundance of grace. And so all these individuals are up here. And so Steph, she receives the abundance of grace. And it says here, and the gift of what? Righteousness. And so she receives it. But one thing she does, go ahead, open the bottle. This is a, I don't think it's a great illustration, but it should work. She receives it and she opens it and partake of it. And now what happened? What's that? No, just, just as a... A pregnant woman would. Okay, <laughs> okay. Okay, so she received it, she opened it, and she acted accordingly. The three steps that I put up there. Jackson, can you put that back up? Those three? So you receive God's gift, you open it up. My sister here, she received it, but she never opens it. She never opened the gift that God has given to her. <laughs> But she walks around with the gift that is never opened. And so she, her prayers are very different now. Hers are, thank you, Jesus, this new life you have given to me that I can reign in this life because I received the abundance of grace. Why? Because she drank it. 
It's something happens, the gospel transforms you when you drink it, when you partake of it. When you know it, when you hear it, and you don't receive it or you don't open it, nothing transforms. And so what happens, we have to somehow now just relate to, I got to just change my behavior to prove that this is the gospel is real. No, you don't change your behavior. This action right here changes you. She was thirsty and she drank what happens. It satisfies the thirst. She didn't have to try to satisfy the thirst. The drinking does it on its own. And so she received it, but she never opened it up. This one, sorry, Phil. He just couldn't receive. He just could not get to the point where he was like, you know what? I just don't deserve it. Justin, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I do. You don't know what I'm going through. There's no way that God could freely give this to me. And so he does his best. They're all churchgoers to now find a way to make himself a what? Better Christian. He's gonna live his whole life, extend himself, wear himself out, trying to earn something from God that was a free gift and meant to be received. Here. Here. You can have it. And then this one, he received it. And he opened it up. Opened it up. But he never drank. To me, what that replies is this, is that we received it, we had all intentions of doing it, and then you know what? We were bombarded with what life teaches us. That you're no good, you're unworthy, you're all these things, and so although it was opened, it never transformed that person's life. Goes to church 40 years, 50 years, 30 years, always hears the same messages, but never was transformed. Why? Because he never partook. And this one could be in the first year of growing in the Lord and just jumping leaps and bounds upon everybody else. Why? Because they just learned how to do one thing, receive properly. Amen? And I want to encourage you that you receive God's gift, but you open it up. How do you open it? One of the ways that you open it is each and every day when the feelings come. This is how you do it. The feelings come and, and tell Steph, you know what? Man, you're, you're just not a good enough mom and you'll never be a good enough mom, uh, wife. And you know what? This believer thing, you can try it all you want, but you suck at that. You know, these, these thoughts come, right? And, uh, and, and you're gonna continue to struggle with that thing you know that you've been batting with in your mind. You're gonna continue to struggle with that the rest of your life. I just want to show you how you win. Go ahead. Yep. You drink of the gospel. And you say, you know what? Those voices, you can talk all, all you want, but I'm going to go back to one thing. I'm going to receive, I'm going to open it up, and I'm going to respond accordingly. What is responding accordingly? I'm the righteousness of God. And I have abundance of grace, which is God's empowering presence flowing in my life. And so, Father... I am struggling right now with all these voices of, of, of not being good enough and not making it and not overcoming and that I'm just gonna continue to struggle the rest of my life. And so, Father, I just, I just drink right now of your goodness and your righteousness that that transforms me so I don't have to keep on living, trying to make this happen. And what happens is you just start to now get transformed by the gospel because you responded accordingly. What do you do with a bottle of water that is open when you're thirsty? Drink it. What do you do with the gospel when you feel like you're unworthy to receive the gospel? Drink it. Just drink 
of Jesus and allow him to be who he's supposed to be in your life. Amen? You guys can, you guys can go to your seats. <laughs> Phil, you need, to, you need to start to get better, okay? <laughs> a couple more services and you'll be a better Christian. <laughs> Romans 5, 517, you can put that back up there. Let me see what time it is. Okay. It says, okay, that we are to receive what? The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And if you do this, what's going to happen? Your business will get better. You'll become richer. You'll become more healed. I'm telling you, that's not it, folks. A gospel out there has catered so greatly to ourself that we are so discontented we're worth where we're at. The gospel was not enough and we're just asking God for more and bigger and more and bigger and more and bigger and it's breaking families down. It's destroying our perspective on how we receive from God because we're not content with grace and peace and mercy and joy and righteousness that we've been catered to. I bought into it hook, line, and sinker. I've bitten that apple many, many times and I want to assure you that when you receive the abundance of grace, this is a mixture of tears and allergies, Okay. There's a little demon named Allergy that jumped on my, my head yesterday, and so uh, we're working through that. But a gift of righteousness, you will what? Reign in life. Just give me some time, okay? I really want to show you what this looks like because it's not reigning like you think. You're not reigning as a CEO of your life. You're not reigning by, look at me, everybody watch <laughs> how good my life is. That's not what reigning is. The word reign means to rule as a king, to exercise kingly power, to have complete authority and the right to control in an absolute manner. So here's my question for you. Go ahead and put that question up, Jackson. Do you reign over your circumstances or do they reign over you? What I mean by that is, do they push you around? Do they cause you to go up here or down here or up here or down here? Do they cause you to be discouraged, disappointed, upset, mad, angry, happy, sad, all the emotions? Do they reign your life or do you reign over your circumstances? Because reigning in life does not mean you don't have circumstances. Doesn't mean bad things don't happen to you. Doesn't mean that you're not reigning in life when you get sick. It doesn't mean, it just means, what are they going to do? Are they gonna, is this cancer going to now push you around and cause you to go into a depression? Or are you going to realize, Father, if this is not my time yet, and I know this is not your way, I realize that this is not your plan. Father, I thank you that I'm the righteousness of God, and I receive the grace of God to make it through this difficult time, and I'm going to praise you every step of the way. And there will be moments when you break down, and you cry, and you get all worried and fearful but it's correcting yourself and going, you know what? I'm the righteousness of God. And I just received that and I will reign over this cancer. Because then what happens is now you're reigning in life, not because you're free from cancer, but because cancer no longer uh, intimidates you. That's reigning. You know, what? my best friend, Dione Victor, and some of you have never met this man, he to me is the picture of what it means to reign in this life. And not a single person, if you knew him, would think that or would realize that about him. Because nothing, nothing in 15 years of a relationship with this man, nothing moves him in here. Nothing. Except one truth. Jesus sits on the throne. We're okay. And he truly reigns in life. Because he's not moved by people. He doesn't have bitterness toward people or hatred toward people. He is the most free man internally, although life does not play itself out very well sometimes for him. That's what it means to reign. To reign is to live in peace. 
It's a peace of mind and my heart. It's peace with my father that no longer is there a struggle between me and my father. Actually, there's just pure enjoyment and delight. And it's peace in the midst of circumstances. Look at this verse from, uh, it's the amplified version. I think it says it amazingly. It's very clear, Isaiah 32, Jackson. And the effect of one who what? Receives the gift of righteousness will be what? How do you know if you've received the gift of righteousness? Just check your peace. If you're all anxious and uptight about the things of God and about circumstances of life, it's because you just didn't receive. It's not like, what do I need to do? What do I need to adjust? Just pick up the cup, open it up, and drink. And the result of that process of doing that with the gospel will produce inside of you something called peace. And it says this, internal and external. And the result of righteousness will be what? Quietness and confident trust forever. What's the result of receiving the gift? There's a quietness inside of us. Because you can fake it. And maybe you may fool some people, but I, I can tell so many people tried the language of faith, but they've never received the gospel. They try so hard to tell you life is good, but their countenance reveals, I am so struggling today. And that is okay. I feel like my goal or my, 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 my position in many of your lives is just to call you up into the gospel of receiving as righteousness. Why? Because the effect of righteousness is peace. And it says that the result of righteousness of us walking and drinking the gospel, what's that? If I drink, 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 quietness and confident trust is gonna now be the result. When you drink liquor for too long a period of time, what happens? There's a result. You get tipsy, you can't see properly, you start to slur your words, and you start to stumble. What's the result of drinking too much gospel? Quietness and confidence. Trust that God is always good. He always has my best in mind, and he's never going to let me fail. Amen? Are you catching it so far? So quietness means this, to be undisturbed, to be at rest, and to be tranquil. To have an unworried ease, to sink down deep and to rest and to be quiet and to gaze. Sarah and I recently just went to a salt cave the other day. She brought me there. I, I, I would not go to 100,000 places if it was not for my wife in my life. <laughs> but I, I said, that was really nice. We got it. We took a, 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 a probably 35, 40 minute nap, but they put these headphones on sitting in a salt cave. Everything's salt. And the headphones go... And you are now flying in the sky, <laughs> hovering over whatever city you want. And do not worry about falling asleep, just listen to my voice. And it wasn't anything bad, but it was just funny because it just brought me to a place of rest. And uh, we have the right to stand before God, that is our place. He made possible through Jesus Christ, meaning this, before when I was a sinner, but now I'm a saint. Before when I was a sinner, I never, never was allowed, no one was, to stand in the presence of God. No one. Even when they were in the old covenant and they brought a sacrifice, it just means that their sin was appeased. But now we can come boldly where? To the presence of Almighty God. Why? Because I've been given the gift of what? Righteousness. 
That gift allows me access to the presence of the Father with no guilt or shame or condemnation. And so his gift of righteousness is not an excuse for us to go and sin and to get away with it. Why? Because once you drink, that thirst no longer drives you. What, hap- what, what, what drives you? The satisfaction of what you drink. So when Stephanie was up here drinking, thirst drives many of us, doesn't it? It'll drive us to drink some stupid things if it's available. And that's what many of us do. Sin is available and the only thing, reason we're partaking is because we're thirsty. Why are we thirsty? Because we haven't received the gospel effectively. But when I receive the gospel and the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness and I partake of it, sin is no longer alluring. Are you catching what I'm saying? It no longer is appealing to me. I'm no longer like, oh, I wish I could go back to the sin that I was in. And that's why Proverbs says, man, when somebody goes back to sin, it's like a dog who went back to vomit. It doesn't make sense. It's not appealing. And so now that I've received the gospel and on the righteousness of God, I'm satisfied by that. No longer do I need to satisfy my flesh. So the gift of righteousness is good tidings of great joy. So don't let things other than truth define your life. Remember the strainer. If we're not having joy, we don't really understand the good news of Jesus Christ. We're letting other things determine our lives and move us and shake us. We're giving ourselves to a lot of other things in life, our minds, our emotions, what people say, etc. And sometimes one little thing that is important is to put your trust back in the gospel. Give me four more minutes, okay? Five more minutes. Okay, let me see the definition of righteousness. I want you to get this and I want to share what peace is. Righteousness is the reality to stand in the presence of God with no guilt, no condemnation, no shame, and no sense of unworthiness. I did not say you wouldn't feel those things. So we stand before God and what do you feel when you stand sometimes and you worship God? What do you feel? Yep. Bad, not worthy, not good enough. That's okay. It's not because of my feelings that I'm here. It's because of what Jesus did in the perfect lamb. So the righteousness allows me this new reality that I can stand in the presence of God with no guilt and no condemnation and no shame and no ounce of unworthiness. That's righteousness. Guess what? It changes my prayers from God, I'm so this and God, I know you're probably so this toward me and so upset and Father, I'm just so unworthy and God, oh, I just, oh Lord, forgive me and God, I just help me. It turns from that to, Father, I just receive that I'm your son today and I thank you that I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ and that I've been given the ministry of reconciliation so that when I leave my time with you today, I go and I represent you wherever I go and I can now give the love of God to whomever. Why? Because I freely received it from you and I go without guilt and condemnation. I can introduce people to a relationship that they now can have with you, Father, one that has been made right because of Jesus Christ. Now that's my prayer. I'm no longer self-centered. I no longer stand here thinking about me. I think about what Jesus did and what we can now partner together in what Jesus is doing. But you know what? Righteousness also, put the next one up there. Righteousness also gives me the freedom. Put the next slide up there, buddy. The ability to stand where? In the presence of the enemy. 
without a sense of inferiority, weakness, or fear. So when he comes and he says, I'm going to kill your daughter, I promise you, Justin. And we back up in intimidation. We go, oh, Lord, please don't let my daughter die. No, righteousness says, are you talking to me? Because I have the righteousness of God. And as Jesus was, so am I in this world. And I'll tell you right now, devil, you don't tell me what's going to happen. I tell you that my daughter is in the hands of my father. And so he or she shall live and she will not die. That's what righteousness says. And I don't speak that from authority. I'm reigning now over the enemy who's going to lie to me. Who thinks he has a right to talk to me. When in fact Revelation says we will look at the enemy and go, was that the one who caused us so much torment? With the righteousness of God. Why? Because it's a gift. And the more I receive it, the more I don't walk in this cocking. I walk in this humility going, this is a gift. So enemy, I just want you to know I've been given a gift. And that righteousness allows me not to have a fear toward you. I'm not intimidated by your, your lies. I now stand what? In truth. And I shake everything he says through truth. And what comes out is that he's a liar. And he's the father of lies. So once I receive the gift of righteousness, God gives me permission to declare my relationship with my father has been restored. <laughs> I love that. That means every day it's restored. And so why don't we see more believers reigning in life? I'm, I so lied, guys. Give me three minutes. <laughs> I just so want to get to this part so it can get in you before you leave. Here it is, Romans 10, 3, and 4. This is why we don't see more believers reigning in life. Now look at this. For they, speaking of the children of Israel, not us, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness... What happens when you're ignorant of God's righteousness? It says that you now seek to establish your own righteousness. That's called function. Religion all across the world, whether it's not only just in denominational stuff, it's in Christian churches, of we'll teach you now how to be what? Righteous. We'll teach you how to be better. We'll teach you how to be more this and more this. And I'm just here to assure you that when you're ignorant of his righteousness, you're gonna seek to establish it on your own. So you're gonna try to pray more and read more and do things to now earn something with God. So if I transact with God, God, if I do this, you'll do this? And God goes, man, I, I obliterated that with the old covenant. The new covenant says, I did this, now go respond. And look at this. And have not submitted to what? If you want to reign in life, submit to the righteousness of God. How do you submit? All right, Father, I, I submit. I, I, uncle, uncle, uncle. Like, you got me. Like, I'm the righteousness of God. That's submitting. You know why? Because it's so hard to say. How many, how many of you can say it confidently? Or do you struggle? And how many can you say it confidently when you know what you're struggling with? Submission is not submission to what sin tells me I am. Submission is submission to what God says I am, which is the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end, or another word here is goal in the Greek, goal of the law. The law was meant to push us toward what? Christ. For righteousness to everyone who believes. How do you receive in the kingdom? By believing. 
You know why that's so hard? Because we're so self-centered. And I don't mean in the way that we want more and more and more. I mean self-centered in that you are too fixated on your own sin and your own shortcomings and your own failures that you're having a hard time believing that you're the righteousness of God. So here's a picture of what it looks like. It won't be on the screen. Jesus was in the boat. I want you to see what a righteous person looks like in the midst of crazy circumstances. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was and the other little boats were also with him. You guys can come on in. And a great windstorm. What kind of windstorm? A great one. So like this is the one that you Facebook and you go, look at outside my room, look at outside my house and hey, I just want you to know I'm not safe yet but I will be safe, you know, all that stuff. Like Facebook just now was taken by storm by this great windstorm. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat against the boat so that it was what? Filling up. Okay, what's the wise thing to do when a boat is filling up? Freak out, tell everybody around you, get a bucket or get off. We're gonna get this water out of this boat because the boat is meant to have water out of it, not in it, right? But he, speaking of Jesus, was what? He was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. They, not circumstances, they had to wake him up and they said to him these words, teacher, do you not care? <laughs> and that is often the very thing people feel about those who are reigning in life. Don't you care about your daughter? Yes, but she's in better hands with the father than she is with my worry. And so my care is not proven by my worry. My care is proven by my trust in him. And it says, do you not care? We are perishing. They already took the circumstances, filtered. This was the storm. They put Jesus. We know Jesus is really awesome. We put him in there and go, oh, we're going to die. Oh, we're going to die. So they woke him because they already couldn't believe the circumstances told them, you're going to what? Perish. And it says this, one more verse, and it says, Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and then he said to the sea, peace be still and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Why? Not just because he was Jesus, because he was the righteousness of the Father. And he says, Justin, I give you that same grace, the abundance of it, and I give you that same gift to go now and to not be moved by the great windstorms of life, but be moved by who you are, which is a son of the Father. Amen. Would you please stand with me this morning? I just went like full teacher mode on all of you today. When the whiteboard comes out, it'll be a long sermon. We're gonna sing one more song and I just want you, while we sing this song, to get the picture of the bottle, of what Steph did. She received the bottle. It did nothing for her thirst until what? She opened it up and acted accordingly to what you do. So how do you act accordingly? 
You say I'm the righteousness of God? Go act like it. I don't mean go act righteously. I said go act like you now have the gift of righteousness and, and enjoy it. Don't go try to earn it like you can prove that you do deserve it. No, it's a gift. Receive it, open it up, and then act accordingly. So Father, I bless your people today. I thank you for every single one of them that they learn how to be receivers. Not in the sense of takers. There's a big difference from taking and receiving. So we just receive from you our source of everything and you've given us the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness so that we could reign in this life, not moved by circumstances or fear or worry. And so Father, I just bless your people today with the grace of God that they would receive as we, receive, as we sing this next song. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we sing, I just want one more order of businesses, and I shouldn't even say it like that. Thank you for your faithfulness to give. It's extremely important that we all play our part, that you all purpose in your heart to give to God's kingdom, and I don't know what that means for you. I know what it looks like as I've studied the scriptures and what I I've come out on the other end going, this is what I will purpose in my heart to be a giver to the things of God and to the people of God. But don't, don't, don't just think because God hasn't instructed me, I'm off the hook. There's a purpose of our heart to give. And my question as I've been asking for many months to you is, what have you purposed in your heart to help us to do what we've been called to do? And you will, you will please the Father's heart by taking his heart and going, Father, I purpose in my heart to do this. And he will, I will give you the grace to do whatever it is you purpose in your heart to do. Because you're not doing it begrudgingly and you're not doing it of necessity. You're doing it because you purpose in your own heart to be my son or daughter. And I will bless that. And I will bless you to be able to do that. And that's why it's amazing to take those steps of journey and go, I'm gonna purpose more. I'm gonna purpose more. Why? Because God will always show himself faithful on your behalf. Amen? So there's a couple ways you can give. You can give online, which is a simple way. You can give with the chest back there, or you can give by uh, texting to give. I'm not sure if that thing is up there, but text to give. Jackson, do you have that up there? Text that number to give. But let's sing this last song, and let's just receive. Amen? And I look forward to seeing you guys as you